let's get into something for a little bit that will bless you and help you. Reverend Kamal, you humbled me, you know, whatever part I've had in your life, I know I have had, uh, I'm grateful for, and, uh, you know, I, we, we give God all the glory. And uh, he's had a lot to, he and Chelsea have had a lot to do, as we all do with our own outcome and success. And I tell you, it blesses the pastor when you find someone that's hungry and they pay attention. I've been saying for a lot of years, the greatest way that you could honor me as your pastor is to do something with what I preach. You know, when you do something with what I preach, then my life and ministry is not in vain. But if I do it and I teach it, then in one sense it's in vain if nobody does anything with it. What's a shepherd without sheep, right? <laughs> and uh, so anyway, we're doers of the word. Father, we thank you for this moment together. Thank you that you're furthering us. Thank you that your spirit's moving. We so look forward even to tonight's service at 6 o'clock, a Holy Ghost service. And we're just so thankful. Every service is a Holy Ghost service, really. And uh, thank you, Father, for opening up our eyes and hearts, helping me to teach this word effectively, Father. And I just thank you that as the people grab hold of it, that uh, as Reverend Kamal was talking about, as they go out and practice it, their lives will be forever changed. God, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, just quickly, we uh, have been talking, as you know, probably for a number of weeks now, uh, about living by faith. And right here, we'll, we'll back in our text that uh, we've been using as sort of a foundation launching point for most of these services. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Uh, confidence is another great word for faith. If you're in faith, you believe something. If you're in faith, you know something. If you're in faith, you are confident. You're sure. You're trusting in the Word of God and what He said, regardless of what things look like. And this Scripture, there's no filler in the Scripture. You know, a lot of our food and stuff like that's got filler in it. They just put stuff in there that's not really not necessary. But there's no filler in the Bible. Every word matters. And so there is a reason the Spirit of God inspired and authored the writer to put this verse in here. Do not cast away your faith. Do not cast away your confidence. That tells us that there's going to be opportunity for us to cast away our confidence, to give up and quit. Amen? Not just on individual faith projects like things you're believing for specifically, but on faith itself. Amen? On God Himself. God help us all if we were to do that. And so we are not to cast away our confidence he encourages us here by saying, which has great recompense. That's a payment. A recompense is a payment of a reward. There's a reward for those who will not cast aside their faith. Amen? If you will just hold steadfast to your faith in the fact that God said you're healed, your reward will be that sickness will leave, that pain will go, and the, re the recompense of your faith will be the healing of your body. If you will just bite down like a bulldog on Luke 6:38 and practice that, you know where Jesus said, "Give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men give into your bosom." Amen. For with the same measure you meet it out, every uh, it'll be meted. If you just believe that and act on that, and and you won't let go of it, you will find God moving among you, humanity, to bless you financially whether it's getting hired or just, you know, all kinds of things in ways that God has. Amen. And then he said in verse 37, uh, actually verse 36, 
for you have need of patience. Let's say that out loud with our mouth. I need patience. You may not think you do. Most of you probably know you do. Let's say it again. I have need of patience. Amen. Now, it would be better translated, this particular word, endurance. Endurance. In fact, in many translations, how many of you here have a translation that says endurance instead of patience? New King James says endurance, and it's a more accurate term uh, based on how we use these words today. So uh, let's read it that way. For you have need of endurance. Now, any of you have been runners? And I'm not just talking about the 10-yard dash kind of a thing. You know, praise God. I, you know, I wasn't really quick, but I, I could endure, so they always put me on those long runs, the two-mile, the two-mile relay, things like that. And, uh, you know, I've been out, and, and what about backpacking? I've done that. You know, you got to endure. Well, what's the word endure mean, do you think, just in layman's terms? It means to keep going in pain and discomfort far longer than you want to. <laughs> That's what it, otherwise, if it was pleasant, you wouldn't call it enduring. Right? I don't endure my hobby. And I can do it for hour and hour and hour and hour, hour after hour after hour. I, don't, I wouldn't put the word endurance on there. To endure means, uh, like if you're running a marathon, the way you're going to develop the kind of endurance it takes to run 26.2 miles or whatever a marathon is, is what you do is you get out there and you run to your limit and then you go beyond it until you basically collapse, and then that's your training day, and then you do that three or four times a week, and you keep pushing past your limit each training day until you reach 26 point whatever miles without stopping. That sound like fun to anybody? My dad's like a wild man. He, he called that fun. That's, you know, he went and did that. And, uh, but in our confidence, in our faith life, he said, you have need of endurance with your faith. So that there's going to be times, no doubt, Brother Paul, where things are hard and circumstances are tough and there's heat in the kitchen and the pressure's on. And the previous verse says, don't cast aside your faith. What you need is to add something to your faith, which is endurance. So everyone say that. Say, I have need. Of endurance. Praise God. Let's keep reading. Verse 37 says, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry or be delayed. Now the just shall live by faith. Amen. The just shall live by faith. But if anyone draw back, meaning draw back from faith, my soul will have no pleasure in him. Now, forgive me. Let me go back into that uh, 36th verse because I didn't really finish it. It says, For you have need of endurance. That after, everyone say after, after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. When I was studying yesterday, this really stuck out to me. It, maybe God was just talking to me about it. But you know, that's how it is. When God gets on me, I'm going to get on you. <laughs> that's just how we roll here. 
Amen. Think about that for a second. We have need of endurance. For after you have done the will of God, then, okay, let's go back to two words. After, then, not before, then. How many, is, I think it's just human nature. And that human nature is in God's people and Christian people. We want to receive the promises. Period. We, we want to receive the blessings. We want to receive the promises. We don't want to do the will of God. Okay, y'all did okay over here. It was really quiet over here. We want God to answer our prayers. We want Him to bless us with finances. We want to have a right mind. We want the angels to keep us from car accidents and wrecks and tragedies. We want all this stuff. Amen. We want forgiveness and mercy. We want blessings, houses and cars and lands. We want peace of mind. We want a good-looking spouse. We want kids that act right. Is there anybody in here that does not want good things? I mean, I'll lay hands on your, your crazy head. We all want good things. We all want the blessings of God. But what did the good book say? After we have done the will of God, then we will receive the promises. So we who want answered prayer, we who want our faith to work, we who want the good things, the blessings of God, the promises of God, we need to be interested in the will of God. And not just giving lip service to it, we need to be doers of His will. To be doers of His will means we're going to be doers of His Word. Amen. Doers of His Word. Having a pastor's God's will. Having a pastor's God's will. Say, well, all I need is Jesus. Well, to get to heaven, that's right. To get to heaven, all you need is Jesus. Right? Amen. But Jesus, whom you said you need, said Himself, right? that when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. So if you, you can be a saint, just have Jesus. But if you want to be matured, if you want to grow up, if you want to uh, not uh, have tragedies, if you want to do the will of God, then Jesus said, I'm going away, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be praying for you, but I've anointed and given you ministers and pastors, and it's your job to be around them, Amen. because Jesus, through the Holy Ghost, is going to work through them and bless your life. Amen. Well, if you want the promises of God, you've got to do the will of God. Amen. It's the will of God that we all serve. You know, we have the greatest cause on the planet. There is no greater cause out there. Well, I want to save the whales. I want to save the whales too. But there's no greater cause. My passion is human trafficking. And that's, Jesus is important. I'm not talking about practicing it. I'm talking about getting people out of, you know. That's a, that is a profoundly good cause. But I'm telling you, there is no higher cause than the cause of Christ. People are passionate about all kinds of causes. All, and that's fine. Go hug a tree if you like. That's how you want to spend a Saturday. That's fine. I may cut one down. 
I'm not against the trees, but I'm going to burn firewood and have campfire. And I'll plant another one, whatever. I'm not trying to get on anybody's grill. I'm just saying there's no greater cause than the cause of Christ, of winning the lost and building up the house of God, building up the church. And if we're not interested in engaging in that work and service ongoingly, something's wrong with our mind and our heart and the way we're thinking in our Christian life. Amen. Thank you. We, uh, we, I, I, I like the blessings. I like feeling good. I like my prayers being answered. <laughs> I like being in the in the flow, like Doctor Seville was talking about. But we got to do the will of God, guys. We just it stood out to me this week. Amen. That those of us that want to receive the promise. Amen. We must be willing to do the will of God and do it even if it feels like we're enduring. If God's called you to be an usher, then endure. If God's called you to serve in children's ministry, then endure. Amen. Count it a joy. Count it a joy. Count it the honor that it really is. Anyway, we're going to press past. So, praise God. Well, I've been talking about trying to, uh, about how faith works. We've talked a lot. We've, this is the eighth lesson on these Sunday mornings, so we're two months in now. So if you are behind a little bit, go back. Uh, but praise God. So we've been talking about the saying part of faith. And if you would, go back with me to Mark chapter 11. And uh, I hope you're planning on staying for lunch. Uh, you don't have to go fight the restaurant. We've got lunch being provided today as a way to fellowship and uh a way to support our youth, and I think that's where the money's going. Is that right, or is it for the ladies or whatever? So, praise God. Whatever cause we're going to serve. All right, Mark chapter 11, and we want to look at verse 23, of course. And in Mark 11, verse 23, now, these are red letters. It's Jesus speaking. So, we need to be moved by the words of Jesus. If you're going to let anybody's words have any weight with you, they need to be the words of our Savior, the words of our Lord. And so after having said, have the God kind of faith or have faith in God, Jesus said, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say, whosoever shall say, you might want to circle that word, unto this mountain, be thou removed. In other words, that's what you want to say to the mountain. And be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says will come to pass, then he will have whatever he says. So there is a saying part of faith. Right? He said in verse 22, have the God kind of faith. Then he began to launch out and tell us some of the most profound words ever spoken about how faith works. You know, uh, there is an element, I've already taught you this in one sermon, about the one-two punch of faith. Faith has a one-two punch. The first punch of faith is believe in your heart. 
But the, the number two punch of faith is speak it with your mouth. And both have to be present. Both have to be present. But if you look at this one verse, we do see believing mentioned. When Jesus said the requirement here is that you have to believe in your heart. Now, what are we required to believe in our heart? That what we say will come to pass. Not even what God said, but what we say. So there is, we know, believing is important. But do you know you won't have it, whatever that is that you're thinking about from God, just because you believe it. Now, you won't have it unless you believe it. But just because you believe that Jesus is a healer will not get you healed. Just believe, because you believe that Philippians 4.19 is true, that my God shall supply, doesn't mean that your bills will be paid. And I mean, I believe it with all my heart. That is awesome. You won't get there without that. But just because you believe it does not mean that you will have it. Because Jesus did not just say, believe it and not doubt it. He said you have to say it. He said you have to say it. I said you, you have to say it. There is a saying part to faith. Now, of course, we many of us know this, but many of us don't. You know, uh, how many times is the word believe mentioned in that scripture? One time. How many times is the word say in some form of another mentioned in that scripture? Three times. So the scripture has one emphasis on believe. Three times in one verse he says you have to say it. God told Brother Hagin. Did you notice that? He said, no, I didn't notice that. He said, my people are not primarily missing it in the believing part. They're missing it in the saying part. I'm going to say that again. He said, my people are not missing it primarily in the believing part. They're missing it in the saying part. God told Brother Hagin, that's why you're going to have to do three times as much preaching, preaching and teaching on the saying part as you do the believing part to get them to see it. So come on, he's in heaven, I'm still here. There is a saying part to faith. Amen. I don't want to just brush past it because you, you, know, you know this verse. See, a lot of folks are praying. But unfortunately, a lot of people's saying nullifies their praying. The words that count... Some Christians think the only words that count with God are the words that I speak when I'm like this. And they pray earnestly a good prayer based on the Word. And they get up over here and 20 minutes later go, I don't know how we're going to make it. Nothing ever good happens for me. And they're saying, zeroed out, canceled out, they're praying. Okay, he said, say that. Your, your saying can cancel out your praying. So what you say when you're venting, what you say when you're under pressure, what you say, what's coming out of your mouth, is affecting 
It's not like God is ignoring, the spirit realm is ignoring all that griping, moaning, doubt, belief, and an uncontrolled mouth. And the only thing that counts in heaven is the, the nice little prayer you prayed on your knees in your bedroom. All your words matter. We are living in a word planet. We are living in a planet dominated by words. I taught you that last week. The world was created by words. The world is right now being sustained by words. Amen. And the world is the uh, world and your life is being governed by the words you speak. None of us will rise higher than our confession. You and I will never rise higher in any area than our confession. Your life is going to go to the level of your talk. Your life is going to rise or descend to the level of your talk. Few, precious few Christians realize our words dominate us. Your wor- our words dominate us. Amen. I'll give you a little illustration. Endeavor, like Reverend Collins said, I am not bragging. I have not arrived. I just have not. Financially, materially, I have not arrived. But uh, for years, you know, after uh, when I started to get to the place where I was graduating college, I, I was engaged to my fiance, Miss Amber, over there. And, you know, you get engaged and, and you start graduating college. And you know what's looming? Real life. Real life. And I started for the first time thinking about those grocery carts my mom would pull through like a train. And they'd be mounded in full. And she would pay that bill and never act like it meant anything to her. And I started to have this thought, my God, am I ever going to be able to do that? Am I able, gonna, ever going to be able to make the money that they've made to provide me the money and opportunity I've, I've had? You start thinking about this stuff. Amen. Well, uh, I started dreaming about Dreaming about, OMG, the day the possibility could it ever happen in my lifetime, and I'm being sincere about it, that God could use me to bless my family with $100,000 for a year, like a salary or pay or whatever. And it took a heck of a long time. But here's the thing. I started saying, when I'm broke, I started saying, it's coming a day soon that I'll have $100,000 come in during a year for my family through my hand. And I just started saying it. And when I started saying it, in here, in here I had this little person laughing at me. (laughs) Like that's a fantasy, like that's a dream, like that's a pipe dream. That'll never happen. But I kept sowing that word into my heart. I kept speaking it. And I kept believing it. And the more I said it, the more I believed it. The more I said it, the more and the more I began to see it. Well, some years ago, that came to pass. That came to pass. Now, you might say, well, okay, that's it. You've arrived. That's it. Just coast right there. But uh, that's just not me because that's not God. And so I thought, could it be, could it be that one day $200,000 could come in in provision, personal provision for me through my hand for my family. Well, I said, well, the 100 came. Why won't the 200 come? not come? 
And so I just started speaking it. I just started declaring it. I'm headed to that level. I'm blessed. I'm a tither. I'm going up. Psalm 15 says he'll bless me more and more. He didn't say more and more for one year and that's it. No, more and more and more. That's what the Bible says. So I just kept speaking it. Amen. Well, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. I think it was tax time last year going into, going into 22. My wife goes, I wonder. She had a little piece of paper. I said, I wonder if you have any idea how much money came in last year. And I'm not just talking through my salary. I'm not just talking through because I don't want you sitting there thinking, that church pays him that much. No, I'm not talking. You shouldn't care if the church did. I'm not robbing from the church anyway. But I'm not talking about it. It came in all kinds of different ways. And she handed me this piece of paper, and it had well over $200,000 on it. It had come in. And I went, Shazam! Praise God! I ain't that smart. I ain't that talent. My words, God's goodness, and my words. Well, you know, I just started a new project. Can you guess where I'm headed now? I'm headed to 300000 You know, the more I make, the more I bring in, the more that comes in, the more I tithe, the more I give. You know, every time that you come up to another level and you're a tither, the church gets a raise. That means we can do more for people. We can be a greater blessing. We can hire more staff. We can do more of a television. You know, come on. Hallelujah. But you see, my words are taking me places. And your words are taking you places. Or your words are keeping you places. See, the Bible says in Hebrews, Hebrews is a very important book. You need to read the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says concerning the Israelites that we see that the, they could not enter in because of their unbelief. God had carved out a plan for them, didn't he? I mean, the promised land, that thing had iron and gold and silver and cattle on a thousand hills and rivers and streams and milk and honey and grapes that were so big two men had to carry one, you know, a few of them on a pole. That's a big grape now. That's what God's will was for them, the promised land, Canaan's land. And the Bible says in Hebrews 3 that they could not enter in because of their unbelief. Unbelief will keep you out. Faith will take you in to places far beyond places you could never dream of. But a big part of what faith is is your speech. You see, your words... Is your faith speaking what you believe? So if you believe you're nothing, that's going to come out. If you believe that in your heart, that's going to come out of your mouth. And when it comes out of your mouth and you believe it, it doesn't matter that you're talking in a negative direction. This is spiritual law. It is spiritual law. If you will say out of your mouth, I will live and not die, I'm going to, he, God, my God satisfies me with a long life. He's going to show me his salvation. He's my healer, my life giver. And you just talk like that. Those words will conquer weakness, blood diseases, organ diseases, cancers, diabetes. Your words will overcome all of that. Say, Pastor, I don't believe it. Well, let's see if we can help you here. I'm running out of time for today. But go with me to Matthew 8 real quick. While you're going Matthew 8, I have some quotes here with me about your confession. 
Dr. Dufresne said this. He said, your words bring God's supply to your needs. See, this is the gist of what I want you to leave with today. You've got to say it to move it. God used my faith confession in the resurrection of Jesus and my words from my heart, me committing my life to him, those words moved me out of the kingdom of darkness and in a moment I'm born again. I'm in the kingdom of God. He did it, but only when I said it. My word of faith in His saving grace moved me out of the ranks of the damned and into the ranks of a son, as a son of God. My word did that. Only because He made it available. Right? But God can't do anything in your life until you say it. Jesus said, speak to the mountain. Jesus did not say, whine to God about your mountain. He said, speak to the mountain. And Dad Dufresne says, every time you speak to a mountain in your life, a chunk of it is taken up and thrown into the sea. Keep speaking till the whole mountain's moved. Isn't that good? F.F. Bosworth, uh, F. Bosworth, he said this. He said, your success and your usefulness in the world is going to be measured by your confession and the tenacity with which you hold fast to that confession under all circumstances. God is no bigger in you than you confess Him to be. God will be no bigger in your life than you confess Him to be. Hallelujah. Pastor Nancy Dufresne said, With words I move all that is mine and take possession of it. With my words I move all that is mine and take possession of it. All right. This is a little bit unrelated, but it will help you. You better make sure your words are sweet. Someday you might have to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that good? I'll give you a copy of this after. Praise God. <laughs> you better make sure your words are sweet. Someday you might have to eat them. The effects, Pastor Nancy said, the effects of living a lifestyle of speaking negative words cannot be reversed in just a few moments. Their lifestyle of speaking must change. Did you get that? The effects of a lifestyle of talking. See, my prayer when my mom got sick and her a previous disease that God did heal her from weakened her immune system. And a few years later when pneumonia got her, they threw every antibiotic at it they had. But I, I couldn't in that moment undo all the years of all that negative sick death talk the spiritual law of saying had overtaken her and God in his mercy kept her around long enough for her to receive him but then the law of saying cut her life short and she's in heaven thank God 
But she only got, the, Rick's almost 18 years old next year. He only, got, mom, Grandma only got to hold him one time. Never met Ryan all these years. Your words matter. I said your words matter. Amen. And words of faith are the most powerful thing in this universe. God spoke the word of faith in the midst of darkness and nothingness. And he said, light be. And, it, and the Bible says, light became. And that light is, he never withdrew that word. He never stopped it. And that light, they, scientists tell us that the universe is still pressing outward into nothingness. The universe just continues to expand. And it will until he speaks again. Hallelujah. Okay, quick, quick. Y'all okay? Hallelujah. It's exciting. See, I, you can repent of all those words and, and, and learn this and begin to practice it and shape a great future for your life. No sin can hold you in dominion. If something's got a hold of you, whether it's drugs or alcohol or sex addiction or pornography or gossip or, you know, being negative and, and whatever it may be, your words, God will move. See, Satan has been working with your negative words. Our negative words empower the devil, and Satan, he enforces those words. Just turn this around. Turn God loose on your situation by giving him some words to use. This sin shall not have dominion over me. The power of God is working me. The blood of Jesus, I I am not a smoker. I am not a porn guy. I, I am free in Jesus' name. I am strong against every temptation. That's part of my past, but it's not part of my future. Talk. Give God something to climb up on and help you with. He will break every chain. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, we'll just probably have to. I have so much here, but we'll just have to stop. And uh, here in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is approached by a man. He happens to be a Roman man, a centurion, so he's not Jewish. And uh, in verse 5 it says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto, us, uh, unto him a centurion. That means a Roman soldier who had a, uh, a hundred, century, a hundred soldiers underneath him, beseeching him or begging him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy. That means he's, uh, paral he's paralyzed. And he is grievously tormented. And uh, let me advance here in my notes. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, and so look at, look at what Jesus said. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Yeah, that's the heart of Jesus. I will come and heal him. Obviously, Jesus seems to say, I'm going to go to wherever your house is, and no doubt I'm going to lay my hands on him, and I'll heal him, because that's what he did many times before. But something very unique and powerful happens here. And look at what the centurion said in verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak, circle it. Highlight it. Put a star on it. Do all three. What did he say? Speak the word only. 
Now, what is the guy facing? He's got a he's got he's paralyzed, he's tormented, but he's all he's writhing in pain. And this centurion thinks, this is what he believes. All I need Jesus to do is to say words. He's not thinking about treatments and surgeries and we're, he's just said, Jesus, I just need you to do one thing. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Oh, my gosh. Amen. Then he keeps talking. The man keeps talking, and he says, For I am a man under authority as a soldier. See, he's a military guy. He's got some stuff figured out. Let's listen to what he said. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I, I say. His military career had taught him some things about words. He was controlling 100 strong men who were armed. And he's figured out, I can control them. I can move them. He says, for I'm a man under authority and I say. Now, what did he say? He said, I say to one, go. Circle that word, go. Then he said, and to another I say, come. And to another I say, do this. And they go do it. You following me here? We're about, we're about, don't, 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 don't fall asleep on me now. Hallelujah. Do this. And it says, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found such great faith even in all Israel. Here's a guy who's not the seed of Abraham. He's not taught in the Torah. He doesn't know any of this stuff. He doesn't have a covenant with God, but he's got something figured out. He said this thing works by words. Now, it's interesting. Why did he want Jesus to speak the word only? See, the soldier recognized in the realm of the military I have authority over these soldiers. And because I have authority over these soldiers, I can say go and they go, come and they come, do this and it gets done. He recognized Jesus as an authority over sickness and disease. He believed that Jesus had dominion and authority and power over sickness, disease, and pain. And because he knew how someone in dominion uses dominion, he knew it. All I need you to do is to speak it. And Jesus goes, wow, I wish I had a hundred. Would you join my team and teach these guys that I've been trying to train because they don't get it? But he gets it. He gets it. The kind of faith that Jesus marveled at, Rex, was a, a, a revelation of faith mixed with authority. And Jesus, was Jesus in dominion and authority over sickness? You know, Jesus is in dominion and authority over, he's got dominion over 
death, hell, sin. He's got the keys to death and hell. He's got all authority. Amen. And so later on he says, be it unto you as you have believed. And the Bible says his servant was healed from that very hour. Jesus' faith-filled words moved that disease right out of that man's body. He didn't have to travel there. He, didn't ha- he was willing to. He didn't have to go there. He could, he could keep right on with his ministry schedule that day. We'll say, well, that's Jesus. Listen, I'm going to close with right here with this. You and I are to operate exactly the way we are in Christ. He is in us, and we are in Him. And He wants us, He has bequeathed upon us the authority He has. We also share His authority over sickness and disease and sin and death and tragedy and poverty and the curse and mental illness. All you have to do is speak the word only, man. Just speak the word only. And your servant, faith, faith is your servant, will go out and do it. He'll go out and do it. Oh, man, I just because I know this whole thing about you're supposed to act this way, I know it's exactly right. Because, you know, in, in Luke, we'll look at this story in detail next week, Lord willing. Remember they're on the boat, and they're, Jesus said, let us launch out and go to the other side. That's what he said. He didn't say, let's go out on a boat ride, and a storm's going to come and kill us all. That's not what he said. He said, let us go to the other side. And they launched out, the Bible says. Well, they got out in the middle, and guess what? Satan stirred up a storm to combat, to oppose those words. That's what's going to happen when you start speaking words. And do you have a picture of that boat? You throw that up there as we close? Because I think a lot of people, you know, Jesus was asleep during this storm. And the, the, the disciples, they are in panic. They are in fear. They're, they're pitching water out as fast as they can. And the Bible says that Jesus was asleep and they had to go wake him up. I think we have this idea that Jesus is on a yacht. And he's so up underneath, you know, on a, on a queen mattress up underneath with the door shut that he is totally oblivious to the storm that they're in. But this is an exact replica, a rebuilt replica of what they call the Jesus boat. In 1986, the Lake of Galilee was really low, and they found one stuck in the mud. They actually have the actual boat they found uh, on a, in a museum in Israel. If we go there, maybe we should go check it out. But anyway, this is a crew of four, and they can hold up to 10 or 12 or 15 or just depend on how you pack them in there. But okay, you, if Jesus is under there, and they're in a storm, and they're in jeopardy because the boat's filling with water. He's not in the comfort zone. He's not in the comfort zone, is he? And yet it says he was asleep on the pillow, and they had to go wake him up, saying, Master, we perish, we're going to die. One translation says, if you don't help us, we're going to die. He's testing them. He's as wet as they are. I guarantee he's not really asleep. He's got one eye open. He's wanting to see what they will do. Do you see that? That's not a place of comfort. Even if he's up under this big side in the stern. He's as wet as they are. And he goes, I'm going to hold back and see what these boys do. And they totally freaked out. 
and got in their feelings and flesh and yielded to fear, and they talked it. We're going to die if you don't help us. You, right? So he got up, and what did he do? The Bible says he spoke to the wind and to the waves and said, Be still. And it goes, And there was a great calm. And all those boys in the boat, they fell down on their knees and worshipped him and said, My God, who is this guy? Who is this man who speaks even to the wind and it obeys him? And they should have worshipped. He saved their life because they didn't have faith. But if Jesus didn't just receive their worship and go, Yeah, that's a good deity trick, isn't it? You remember what he did? He turned to them and he said, where is your faith? What does that tell you about what his expectations are? He said, where's your faith? He had been with them long enough. They, he expected them to get up and talk to that. And they should have said, our Lord said we're going to the other side. We're not going to drown. So when you need to quit it right now in Jesus' name. And he would have jumped up and gone, good job, God. That is awesome. And it would have calmed down just as, how many of you have spoke to wind and storms, uh, tornadoes and different things? I have. I'm from Oklahoma, man. We learned how to talk to wind. My dad is skillful. He talked to wind and it would go, right on the radar, man, right around his house. Well, he's not Jesus, but he has Jesus' name. He's in Jesus. You got to say it to move it. That's what I want you leaving here with. You can't have it. Even if you believe it, you have to say it. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for our time together today. All the different wonderful elements the words that we've heard, uh, the magic.